Merry Christmas, everyone. Okay, you've had enough practice. Uh, Yasmin tried to warm up the congregation this morning, so I'm sure you're ready. Let's try it again. Merry Christmas. Well, we finally made it. Are you excited? We finally made it to Christmas. Here on our campus, we've been celebrating the season of Advent the entire month of December. And today is Christmas Eve. Isn't that fantastic? Are you excited? Are you happy? Are you ready? Are you thrilled? You don't sound so happy. I'm just going to take a wild guess here that you might be a Grinch. Now, if you're not the Grinch, but you're sitting next to one, okay, uh, every family has one, at least one. You know, that person in your family who, uh, while everyone else is getting excited, making hot chocolate, uh, uh, building graham cracker houses, that person that walks in the room and goes, <coughs> and walks off to the side, that might be, that might be you. Well, that person, when the uh, radio gets turned on, it's nothing but Christmas song, quickly tries to change the station. Or that person who says at the store, why is there so many people? This is taking too long. That's a Grinch. It might be you, or it might be sitting, or maybe the person sitting next to you. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to do me a favor, all right? As inconspicuously as you can, that means without giving it completely away, if you're sitting next to a Grinch and you know it, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just slyly relax and stretch out your arm and put your arm around that Grinch and just hug him tight. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can do it. You can do it. You know, and just so, and just so nobody gets any ideas, go ahead and reach both ways and just hug whoever's there, whether you know them or not. You know, give them a little squeeze. Uh, I'll let them know that this is a time to be merry. This is a time for Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Feel free, by the way, to squeeze in towards the middle. Uh, we may have a few more people who want to join us, and we want to make sure that we have a little bit of extra room. We want to welcome all of you. Uh, we're just so happy that you're here to celebrate this Christmas season. And with us. We especially want to welcome friends and family, relatives that are visiting uh, for the holiday. And uh, as Ms. Trina said, our, our college students who have uh, returned from the many far off places. We're so excited and happy that you're here. Hopefully, you are planning to get together with some family and friends this evening. Uh, I know uh, I'm excited to uh, see my family because it's Christmas. It's time to get together, it's time to celebrate. But you know who has a really hard time waiting for it? Kids, right? Kids. My kids have been waking up every day this week and saying, is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? And I tell them, no. And they say, well, what day is it? I'll say Tuesday. <laughs> you know, how many more days? They've got the countdown. Is it Christmas? Is it Christmas? They can't wait. Uh, they want to get to it. You know what it is, right? No one? Okay, you're really a Grinch. Go ahead, you know, go ahead, put the arm out. Somebody, somebody needs a hug in here. Uh, <clears throat> they're waiting for the gifts. They want to get right to it. And we have been talking about gifts here on our campus this entire month. We've been talking about the gifts of Christmas. Uh, but before we, you know, get to the, the, the eating and the, by the way, in case you didn't know, we have a reception planned right here for you guys. Before we leave, we have some treats out in the lobby. So after a second service here. You guys can uh, hang out and spread a little Christmas cheer. Uh, <clears throat> but before we get to it, we want to talk about the gifts of Christmas here. And I have a question for you. Um, as the kids are waiting for Christmas Eve, as the kids are waiting for Christmas morning, as the kids are waiting to open up their gifts, are you waiting for something? That's my question before we begin. Are you waiting for something? 
maybe some of you are waiting for uh, family to arrive. Like I said, maybe they're, they're coming into town. Maybe, perhaps there's a few of you that are crossing your fingers hoping that Amazon will make that late Christmas Eve delivery for the gift you ordered a bit late. Uh, and there may be some of you who are just waiting for this whole thing to be over. Uh, you're, you don't like the lights. Uh, you know, oh, look, it's, is that snow? Um, we could just pretend. Wow, look at that. Maybe some of you are like, oh, I just want this to be over. Let's just get past Christmas. I don't like it. Well, whatever you're waiting for, whatever you're thinking, maybe some of you guys just want to get out of here, out of church, and get home and get the house ready and await your friends. Whatever you're waiting, whatever you're like anxious about, for just a moment, I just want you to put it to the side and just sit back and let the words of God shared with us through the Bible to wash over you. And let's celebrate for a moment this season of Advent. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, we've been talking about Advent here, and I know some of y'all are visiting us today, so I'm going to bring you up to speed. Uh, Advent actually means coming or arrival. And when we celebrate and we think about the season of Advent, it allows us to not just focus on the day of Christmas, but connect the entire season. So when we think about Advent, we think about uh, what our spiritual ancestors, the people of Israel, had to do as they waited for the arrival of the Messiah. So when we celebrate the season of Advent, we we are allowed to connect with our past, our spiritual and historical past. It also allows us to think about uh, the the way they longed and, and waited for Jesus, the way they anticipated Oh, it's coming down now. It's hail. Hey. It'll be snow. Wait. Just wait. We'll keep talking. This is California snow, by the way. This is San Diego. Oh, it's coming down. That is so cool. Okay, church is over. Let's all go outside. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> this is fantastic. Uh, God is good to us. So, as I was saying, as we celebrate the season of Advent, it allows us to connect with our past, our spiritual past, and to uh, rely on God in this present, but also to look forward to the word Advent is important to us because we are Seventh-day Adventists. It means that we believe that just as Jesus came the first time, that he will come back a second time. And that's what we celebrate here. So we began to open up the gifts of Christmas, and I want to share them with you one more time because I'm sure you that were here remember quite well, but this is just for the sake of our friends. The first gift that we unwrapped this uh, Advent season was anyone? I know I can count on Mr. Gifford to know. Anybody else? Anybody? Not a teacher. Anybody? No one. Okay. Well, just FYI, on the back of your bulletin, there's a blank page. That's like a strong suggestion. If you ever want to remember anything, it's a great space to doodle. And by doodle, I mean take notes. Okay? So if you want to remember some of these things, that's where we provide your blank page there. Okay, the first gift we unwrapped this Advent season was the gift of hope. The gift of hope. 
This is what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's a fantastic verse uh, captured so amazingly in Handel's Messiah. But it was a verse given long, long before Jesus actually came. It was a verse given as a prophecy, as a promise. See, God wanted us to believe in him that he would send his son. In fact, that promise was first made in the Garden of Eden. God made this promise at the very beginning when our relationship with him was broken through Adam and Eve's sin that he would send his son. And ever since then, he had been laying down promises so that we could have hope as we waited. The first gift we want to unwrap this Advent season was the gift of hope. Hope passed. God made these promises in Isaiah and hundreds and hundreds of years later they came true. And the birth of the baby Jesus. And just as he promised in the past and it came true, we can believe in his promises in the present. When God speaks to us today, in this day and age, when he offers us words of comfort, words of encouragement, when he speaks about our purpose and the plan he has for our lives, we can believe in that today. We can have hope in this present. Wherever you are in your life, if you're wondering, God has something to say about you in your life. And you need to trust it and believe it. That is hope in the present. But it also allows us to think about hope for the future. See, as I just mentioned, God came that one time in the person of Jesus Christ, but he promised that he would come again. This time, not as a baby, but as the King of Kings, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we can have hope that while we wait, we know for certain that he will come. Hope past, present, and future. The second gift we unwrapped was the gift of love. Now, love is not difficult to think about during the Christmas season. In fact, I mentioned to our church that the number one day, the most popular day to get engaged will actually be this evening. So sorry if I let the cat out of the bag for some of y'all who are making a plan. But according to uh, polls, Christmas Eve is the most popular time for people to get engaged because love is in the air. It is not difficult to think about love during the Christmas season, but the true challenge here is not giving love. We give gifts, you know, we visit people, we send cards. But I think the true challenge here is to receive love. This is what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, famous verse, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know that verse? Ever heard that verse? I'm sure you have. It's the second most popular verse in the Bible nowadays. For God so loved the world that he gave. We've learned to give in our understanding of with Christmas season. That's why some of y'all probably saw me at the mall yesterday. You were, I don't know if you were there, but I was there braving the crowds, finding the parking lot. By the way, Ms. Trina told me the secret. You go to Target at 7 a.m. That's the only time you can get in and out. Otherwise... Okay, no one's ever begun to Target. Okay, Target is the store with the thing. It's right down there. Yes? Okay. You guys ever try to go to Target? Yes? Well, it's like hordes and hordes of people. Everybody's buying gifts, right? 
Gifts, gifts, gifts. Everybody wants to give. Because we've got in the habit. We, we, we want to give something. It's an expectation. So we think about when we give this gift that we're sending an expression of our love. We might even sign the card, Merry Christmas, all of our love. But I think the difficult thing for us, especially us adults, to understand is how to receive love. The Bible says that God loved us, so he sent his son. He sent his son. The very first thing we must do if we're going to unwrap the gift of love is to accept it. Friends, the truth be told, for many of us, accepting love is difficult. For many of us, the idea that someone would really love us is difficult to believe. That may be you today. You might be thinking to yourself, well, I know people are nice here at church that pretend to be nice, but if they really knew who I was, they would not love me. That's a fear we all carry deep down inside. It's why we're drawn to love, but we're scared by it. It's why we crave being vulnerable, but also are deathly afraid to let others close. And yet God says... He sent his son because he loved us. First thing you and I have to do to unwrap the gift of love is to accept it, that God loves you. Let me repeat that because it's worth saying, God loves you. Do you believe that this Christmas season? Do you believe that? Are you confident? Do you know it in your heart that God loves you? And I don't mean like loves you as in the general you. I mean you by name. You as a person. You as a mom. You as a son, a daughter. God loves you. And you know God knows everything about you, but he loves you regardless. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. We must learn to accept this gift, the gift of love. And to really unwrap the gift, we have to let it soak in. We describe this as experiencing love, not just the idea or the words, but allowing it to come in. That means God wants you to let him in into every space in your life, your relationships, your work, your conversations, your dreams, your vacation plans. God wants you to let him in into every part of your life so that you can begin to experience it. See, when God's love finally gets in, it will begin to change things. It's like, it's like have you ever been in love? Have, anyone? I, I feel like I'm talking to myself. Have you ever been in love? Okay, you don't have to nod at me. Just give me the wink. Just like, yep. <laughs> Or, or, or the man nod, like this. That's good, too. Yes. If you've ever been in love, then you will understand the phenomenon. See, here's what happens when you fall in love. Without knowing it, you start doing things you would never otherwise do. You with me? You with me? Yes? Ever seen grown men parading up and down the card aisles at the Hallmark, not knowing what to do, looking way out of place, picking up stuff and then quickly putting it back down and then suddenly getting caught in a card? See, he's in love. He's willing to do something he would not normally do. Women, when they fall in love, they give us the benefit of the doubt. I know, I know. You're like, is that really even possible? But yes, when women fall in love, they do things they normally wouldn't do. And one of those is give us the benefit of the doubt. They do things like this. Oh, he's late. <gasps> he must be stopping by to get me some roses. <laughs> 
We do things when we're in love. It, it, it changes us. It transforms us. Uh, I've known friends who wrote songs they have no business singing and wrote poems they have no business writing. It changes us. Women take up hobbies they have no interest in. <laughs> Cheering for football teams. My wife watched golf with me when we first got married. That's real love. <laughs> Love begins to change you. And when God says, I love you, he wants that love to begin to intersect into our lives and begin to change us. When we're in love, when we discover, when we begin to experience it, it moves us. It moves the tone of our voice. It moves the way we think and the way we feel and the way we respond. God wants us to unwrap that gift by accepting it and begin to experiencing. God loves you, all of you. He knows you intimately, but he cares for you and loves you and has deep, deep plans for your life. You need to let that soak in. And as it's soaking in, the best way to unwrap that gift is then to share it. Can you imagine what would happen if tonight at that family gathering you're going to, when you run into that uncle or aunt, you know the one I'm talking about, the one who always says things on her mind without thinking about it first. You with me? The one who just blurts out things after they haven't seen you in a long time, usually unkind things. Can you imagine that instead of responding to her or him with disdain or apprehension, you just embraced them and you said, you know, God loves you too. <laughs> imagine that. Can you imagine if you chose to forgive instead? See, when you receive love, when you're in love, you just can't help but to share it. You just can't help but to give it away. God wants us to unwrap the gift of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then as we receive that love, we must also give that love. Last week, we unwrapped the gift of joy. The gift of joy. It splattered everywhere, all over the TVs, at the aforementioned Target. Joy, joy, joy. But a lot of people think uh, that joy has to do with this cheery feeling of the season that somehow magically when, oh, now it's sunshine. Okay. When, when the sun shines and, and when things are going well, we're naturally going to be happy. You should be excited about joy. But the Bible describes joy as something altogether different. Listen to this. This is what the Bible says in the book of Psalms. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in everything that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy let all rejoice before the Lord but here's the key for he comes the Bible describes entire whole of creation singing in anticipation because he is coming joy is not an emotion and a feeling not this joy not the gift that God wants to give the gift that God wants to give is a connection to what it means to receive the son the Messiah the child more than a feeling, joy is a connection to God our Father. And it goes beyond ups and downs and circumstances. This kind of joy, the Bible describes as a well that just keeps giving up life-giving waters. So how are we going to unwrap this gift? First, we, dis we describe that we need to anticipate joy. We must look and expect that joy will come our way. <clears throat> the angel said unto the shepherds, 
Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that, we, that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. When the angel appeared, as you will see in our little play, the angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. We must anticipate what God is doing. We must anticipate that God is creating joy for us. It is what the shepherds did. It is what the magi did. It is what the people of Israel did. They anticipated that one day the son, the Messiah, the baby would be born in a manger. You have to live in anticipation of that or you'll miss it. We discussed last week how the three wise men came, but nobody else did. The star was there, a heavenly body above the towny town of Bethlehem. But no one else noticed. No one else was looking. No one else was anticipating. We must anticipate joy so that when we find it, we can recognize it. We must anticipate joy so that when we find it, we can recognize joy. I told First Service how easy it is, especially for those of us that are Grinches. And like I said, if you got a hug this morning, just know that's you. You're the Grinch. Um, it's especially hard for us to get into the spirit, as they call it, of Christmas, because we have a tendency. And by the way, this, I think, applies to everyone. We have a tendency to focus on things that are, aren't going well, rather than to zero in on the things that are going well. Right? You can have an entire day uh, just... A nod with me if you agree. You can have an entire day where you're doing great things at work or at school, and all it takes is one person to come by with a bad comment or a bad reaction, and suddenly your day feels ruined. You with me? Yes? We have this tendency, this temptation to always highlight the bad things. It is so much easier for us to complain than it is to be happy, to be content. But recognizing joy is a matter of perspective. It's a matter of choice. This is what the Bible says. Consider it pure joy or recognize it as joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces persevering. The book of James kind of turns this whole story on its ear. It says that when you're actually going through difficult times and you might be there right now, the Bible says that is an opportunity for joy. I know what you're thinking. It doesn't feel joyful. I don't feel happy. Well, joy is not an emotion. It is not happiness. Joy is a connection with the trajectory of God's story that connects us with what he said in the past, what he says now, and what he'll say with the future. That means that even if we're in the middle of challenges, God is at work. God is at work. He's up to something good. And so, if you're enduring something this Christmas season, if you, like some of our very own in our community, are dealing with great loss, the loss of a loved one perhaps, struggling with illness or disease or questions and doubts, even though you might feel like you're in the valley and you have no reason to celebrate, the Bible says, hang in there. For this valley will give you a story, a story of God's faithfulness. It will produce in you perseverance. Hang in there. Do not give up. And someday, the walk through this valley will bless somebody else's journey and lead them out of a valley and into a mountaintop. So if you're in the middle of something difficult, you could zero in and just complain about it and spiral down into depression and despair. But instead, 
I challenge myself and you to unwrap the gift of joy by recognizing that even though it's hard right now, God is building us, building in us perseverance. Be faithful, the Bible says. Be faithful. I know that there have been seasons in my life where all I could do was put one foot in front of the other. And you might be there today. And if that's the case, I encourage you to just pray that prayer. God, give me the strength to put one foot in front today. Just the strength to walk this day. But anticipate and believe in your heart that God is at work to resolve it, to overcome it. Begin to dream what might be possible because the Bible says that God's plans for us, we can't even imagine, but we can anticipate them. We can look forward to See, when God sent this promise to the people of Israel, for unto us a son is given, they were in captivity. They did not uh, live free. They were under oppression. They had been slaves. But God said, one day a scepter shall rise. One day a Savior will be born, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father. One day a child will come to deliver you. And the people had to wait. And through that valley, they had to recognize that joy was coming. That joy was coming. That one day the Messiah would be born. If you're in the valley now, I know it's difficult, but I challenge you and myself to recognize that God is at work. That God is in the middle of my suffering and of my doubts and of my questions. And He intends to bless you. He intends to carry you. He intends to prosper you. Lastly, we want to choose joy to unwrap this gift. Choose joy. For many of us, we have come to believe that joy is a consequence, like based on circumstances. Now, I have children in my family. I can't help but talk about them. They run my life. And um, the thing about kids is that they're really good at not hiding their true feelings. You with me? You with me? So I anticipate you will relieve this, sin, this scene sometime this evening or tomorrow when the kids open up their gifts. When they open a gift, a kid will tell you right away whether they really like it or they really don't. You with me? You with me? Now, it's a skill that we develop as adults, right? You know how to do it. You open up, you're like, oh, this is so nice. By the way, that little high-pitched thing is a dead giveaway, so you might want to tone that down. That's a dead giveaway. So this is so nice. Oh, I always wanted one of these. And everyone knows you're lying. <laughs> See, kids never do that. They either open it and go, ah, and they get excited, or they go, oh, and on to the next. Or they might say, oh, right? And they're conditioned to think that their happiness or their sadness is dependent on the consequence or, or the circumstances that they're in. Good gift? Pokemon? Woohoo! Bad gift? Pair of socks? Whoa. By the way, I like socks, so it's, it's a good gift. And if, you're, if you give somebody socks, it's, it's cool. So don't get me wrong. Socks are cool. But kids like Pokemon. But we need to choose joy. And here's how. Number one, by the way, 
good, good practice for tonight. Choose gratitude. Wherever my son is, <laughs> listen to me, son, wherever you are. <laughs> Choose gratitude. When you get that pair of socks, say thank you. <laughs> Choose gratitude. Choose to focus in on how blessed you are. Friends, friends, are we blessed? Yes, we are blessed. Listen, my wife and I, this past week, are just overwhelmed with this feeling. Life is so fragile. To be here this day, to have air in our lungs, surrounded by family and friends, how blessed are we? How blessed are we? To have our college students come back from college to visit, how blessed are we? To have yourself surrounded by family and friends, how blessed are we? To get snow on Christmas Eve at church. San Diego snow, but to get snow, how blessed are we? And then to get sunshine, I mean, how blessed are we? Choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. This is what the Bible says. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances, choose gratitude. We can choose to be grateful rather than choose to be ungrateful. Tonight, as you celebrate Christmas with your family and friends, choose to be grateful. It will bring these gifts to bear upon the people that you're with. You might be the, the, the ambassador for the gifts of hope and of joy. Choose gratitude. Next, friends, the Bible says choose to obey. Now, this is difficult here, and it's important that we understand it. This is what Jesus says in the book of John. He says, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be complete. You know what completes our joy? Jesus says, obey my commands. See, everything that Jesus gives here that we describe as commands are not the totalitarian will of God through Jesus. No, every command that Jesus gives is an invitation to a path that leads us towards good things. It's an invitation to a walk with God that will lead us towards blessings. That will lead us towards joy and peace, even in the face of suffering and challenges. But when we disregard what God says, we enter our own paths towards things that are destructive and harmful to ourselves. Jesus says, to choose joy, you have to choose my paths. You have to follow what I've laid out for you. And you have that choice every day of your life. To walk in the footsteps Jesus has left or to find your own way. If you want to find joy, if you want to unwrap the gift of joy, choose to obey Jesus instead. Follow him. He will not lead you astray. The Bible says in the Old Testament, those who put their trust in him will never be disappointed. Never be disappointed. And lastly, Jesus invites us to abide. I know an unfamiliar word. It means to stay with, to be with. This is Jesus' words in John chapter 15. Jesus says, remain in me or abide in me and I will remain in you. See, the great, just the amazing thing about the story of Christmas is that the God you and I believe in, the God that we serve, is not a God who wanted to remain distant. It is not a God who wanted to love us or hate us from afar. It is a God who decided at all costs that he wanted to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. When God first created us in the Garden of Eden, the Bible tells us in Genesis that we humans, we could walk with him. 
We could take afternoon strolls. We could talk to him face to face. He wanted to be with us. But when we humans chose sin and chose to walk away from God, it created a separation. And now God, all he's been trying to do is try to reunite us because he wants to be with us. And that's why he sent his son. For God so loved us, the world, that he sent his son to be with us, to be Emmanuel, God with us. And today we want to unwrap the gift of peace. Now, when we see the scene, and in a little while we'll do it here together, and I'm sure you've seen many of them. Usually when, we, when, we, when the kids come up and the nativity scene is placed, uh, I remember as a kid we sang a Silent Night. It was me. In fact, we were toying with the idea of doing it here together, Silent Night. There's a quietness and a stillness that we think about that night Jesus was born. Silent Night, Holy Night. And we think that that's what peace means. That it's silent and quiet and devoid of sounds. But that's not the kind of night that Jesus arrived on. In fact, Jesus came, according to the Bible, because there was great conflict. There was war. There was a distance, an enmity between God and us. Between God and Satan. There was a war. There was a conflict. The people of God, God wanted to reclaim them and, and, and bring them back to himself. But we kept pushing him away. And there was war. And there was distance. And there was breaking. And there was a heartbreak. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bring peace on earth between us and God. Jesus comes to bring us peace with God. See, ever since the Garden of Eden, ever since that first promise was made, there was a separation. God told the, uh, Adam and Eve, he said, choose to obey, choose to follow me, and I will prosper you, and I will bless you, and you can eat of every fruit of the tree, and you can live eternally, but choose to disobey, and you will choose for yourselves a very painful path, the path of death. You remember? Do not eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And ever since then, we have been living the consequences of that choice. Death, pain, and the suffering that you and I are a part of today. Our destinies go in an opposite direction. And that hurt the heart of God. And that's why God said... It cannot remain so. I must do something. What can I do? I will send my son. And Jesus Christ came because God wanted to bring us back together. Jesus said it this way, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came, yes, to be born in a manger. Yes, yes. To fulfill the prophecies, but more importantly, to grow up among us and one day walk to that cross and be crucified there. So that in his death and resurrection, we might have peace with God. This is what the Bible says in the book of Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. In this grace in which we now stand. Friends, I know that there are some of you in our congregation today who are at war with God. Today. You're struggling with Him. 
you're not sure. You're here. Maybe your friends invited you. Your family brought you. Maybe because it's Christmas Eve. But you're not really sure that you want to be with. Because you're at war. There's conflict between what you think God says and what you think you should do or be. But I want to tell you that Jesus Christ came to bring peace between us. Peace with God. He wanted you to know that God is not angry with you. God is not against you. God is for us. He is for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross to make it so. The Bible tells us that this is how much we know that God loves us. That while we were sinners, that means while, while we didn't want it or deserve it, that's when God sent his son. He sent them in the night of conflict. There was no peace on earth before he came. There was only despair and conflict. But God sent his son to bring peace to earth. And now you and I have peace. You see, that's in the past. We have peace. It has happened. You don't have to be afraid of him. You don't have to be far from him. He wants to be close to you. Through Jesus Christ, we have gained access to God the Father. Jesus also brings peace within us. Peace within us. This is what the book of Philippians says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You ever heard that verse before? Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which goes beyond anything we can understand, will guard your hearts and your minds. God wants us to have peace in this present. God wants us to have peace in the middle of what we're going through. And peace is not stillness and quietness or the absence of turmoil. No, peace is the confidence to know that God is still in charge and he is for me, not against me. That is peace. Peace is the understanding that God sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be reconciled to him and then to one another. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. The way we unwrap this gift is to come to Jesus and accept his death on the cross as payment for our personal sins. We call it claiming him as our personal savior. You do not have to be at war with God any longer. He is not holding your past against you. He is not counting your sins against you. He wants to be with you. He wants to reclaim that relationship where you used to talk and walk and live together. Peace. Peace within. And lastly, peace to come. Peace to come. This is what Jesus says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I love that. Because the older I get, the more I realize that in this world, we just have trouble, friends. As Ms. Trina mentioned, we lost one of our very own last week. Mrs. Elizabeth Barrueta, who had just joined our congregation this year and loved being here and part of the ministries, was tragically taken. And as I was talking to her husband um, this week and reflecting on the brevity of life, how fragile it is and how sad it is to lose a loved one. 
it came to mind that Jesus told us that there was going to be trouble on this earth. Friends, we all suffer. We all deal with loss and pain and suffering. As I mentioned to you at the start of our journey together in this month, I have a complicated history with Christmas. When my parents died the 26th of December, the day after Christmas. So every year as we enter the Christmas season, my wife says, it's like PTSD. I have to fight those feelings, that sadness that comes. But you know what I've found these many years since? That rather than focusing on what I've lost, God invites me to to focus on what I will gain. That there will be a peace that we'll share that is yet to come. For Jesus said, I go to prepare a place and I will return and I will take you to be with me so that where I am, you may also be. I live in expectation and anticipation of that great hope in the future, that great love that we will recognize, that great joy that I will share when I see my parents again. I live in anticipation of the peace that we will have when we're finally reunited together. And that's why I believe Christmas gives us the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. The gift of Jesus. See, Jesus is the hope bringer. All the stories are about him. The Old Testament, the new, what lies. It's all about Jesus, God's expression. Jesus is love himself. Come down to us in the form of a baby. God loved us so much. He sent himself to us. Jesus is the joy giver. When you finally begin to realize that Jesus loves you and that you matter to him, it will change who you are. It will help you understand your value and that it's not measured by what other people think. It is not measured by what the world sees, how many likes are on your Snapchat. None of that matters. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus is the real joy giver. And if you let him, if you let him, he will bring you peace. Peace within, peace to come, and even, friends here, peace with one another. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. You have today, this Christmas Eve, the ability to call upon a Wonderful Counselor, someone who will bless you and encourage you and speak the truth about you when others will tell lies. Mighty God. God can change your circumstances, but he won't always because sometimes your circumstances are God's way of building faith in your life. But he is mighty. And his prayers, the prayers that we ascend to him when we present our request will be answered according to his grace. And his grace is more than sufficient. God is the everlasting father. He is trying to draw us unto him. He wants us to return. His arms are open wide. He is, in fact, the prince of peace. So wherever you are this Christmas season, wherever you are in this Christmas Eve, whatever you're going through, open up these gifts. Let it bless you. Soak them in. Let Jesus change your life. Accept once and for all his great gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus. And I just want you to sit back and enjoy as our children will present the greatest story ever told.